Today on the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast, I'm speaking with Suzanne Turan Aniwai. Suzanne describes herself as a graphic designer, ocean advocate, and avid outrigger paddler. Suzanne is an artist with a passion for the arts and a background in marine science. Her creations highlight the problem of marine plastic pollution in Fiji, where she lives. The Women Mind the Water podcast series engages artists in conversation about their work and explores her connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I am excited to introduce the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series audience, Suzanne Turan Aniwai. It is amazing that I have the opportunity to speak with Suzanne, who lives 8,000 miles away. It is my pleasure to be able to call attention to her colorful artwork. Suzanne's artwork highlights the volume and range of marine debris that washes up along Fiji's shores. Suzanne collects and upcycles this debris into colorful works that can be seen on her Instagram account. Her hope is that her art will help reduce the amount of waste that goes into landfills, inspires young people to become ocean stewards, and generate money to fund coastal cleanups. Welcome, Suzanne. I am grateful to Nina Rossiter for introducing us. Nina has been featured on this podcast and is one of the moderators in an artivist room on Clubhouse. As Clubhouse is an audio-only platform, it wasn't until I went to your Instagram account that I understood the significance of what you do with plastic trash. That's when I knew I wanted to meet you. Thank you for accepting my invitation to be on the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast. Suzanne, let's talk about Fiji, ocean plastic, and what can be done about it. Why don't you start by telling listeners a little about Fiji? I feel sure that many haven't been there and only have the remotest sense of what Fiji is like. Uh, thank you, Pam, and it's an honor to be here, and uh, thank you for the invitation to be on this podcast. Um, so Fiji is located uh, in the Pacific Ocean. We are settled between in just above New Zealand, and uh, we are we have about uh, 300 plus islands, of the of which the capital is in Suva, where I am based. Um, but I am from the other island, Vanua uh, Levu. Okay. Do you have any idea when plastic became a problem in Fiji? Was it a problem that slowly developed? Or did it become an immediate issue when the plastic began washing ashore? My recollection growing up, we just knew that plastic was always used in our everyday life. So as a child, you just noticed that rubbish was everywhere and it became normal to us. We took it as uh, taking it for granted that rubbish is there and we see it and we just acknowledge it. But then, uh, for I think it when people it became a problem when people started uh, littering and the waste disposal systems weren't very efficient, hmm. and um, and so now when you go out into the city and you see rubbish everywhere, the it's a really big problem, and so we we just we have to 
sort of change that mindset of being so used to seeing rubbish and that it's okay. So that's what I try to do with my work, showcase the problem. I think it's shock. I think it's shocking for people like myself, uh, you know, that live in, in the United States, that when we think of Fiji, we think of an island paradise or island paradise. And, and yet um, you're saying that the people there are like have become used to living among pollution. And that's very sad. Yes. Um, well, well most of the people, in my opinion, they just see the rubbish and they, they think it's somebody else's job. Mm. So they don't, they think it's the, the government's responsibility or other organizations to right. clean it up. Whereas that, uh, it is our own actions right. that cause the problem. Right. It's a very common human mindset that it's somebody else's problem. So some of the items in your pictures aren't familiar to me. For example, what you call clothes pegs don't look like what we clo call clothes pins here in America. Do you have a sense where the plastic is coming from? Is it plastic mostly generated in Fiji or is it washing ashore from somewhere else? Um, we haven't, haven't really the faintest idea where it could be coming from, but uh, my my hypothesis is that uh, most of the clothes pegs are washed up on the beach, and where we are located, it's just some somewhere near the mouth of the Rewa River, where there's an, a bigger community upriver, mm. and many households use these kinds of. Everyone, even myself included, we use the plastic clothes pegs the kind that I show on my Instagram page because that's the easiest to buy. It's, it costs less than $5 for a pack of, uh, let's say, maybe 50 and, uh, and so what I'm thinking is that during the rainy weather, everything, people hang their clothes and then you have some pegs that are on the ground after we do your washing. Right. And then when it rains everything would just go into the drain and then come out out to sea. Mm. And so that's what I think is happening is everything is just washed from everyone's house, comes into the drain out to sea, and then we meet it here on the beach. Okay. So people who are upriver, who aren't on the shoreline, don't even know that it's having an effect. Does the Fijian government have any policies to help reduce plastic pollution or are they trying to clean up what washes ashore? Littering is illegal. And so we have the Littering Act where people can be fined for discarding rubbish uh, carelessly. So what are some of the more common things that wash ashore? Uh, we have uh, plastic PET bottles. We've got uh, plastic packaging of uh, different household uh, kitchen products, like uh, most common is the rice bags. They come about, the 10 kg bag is this big. Mm. So you have, uh, you sell chicken in plastic bags. You get washed up the chicken bags, the um, sanitary products. We've got uh, a lot of diapers that wash up here. Oh, that's nasty. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Even sometimes we have actual bags of rubbish that are still in a, in a plastic bag of right. household 
Turkish. Right. We've got uh, what? What else? Sometimes we find syringes, straws. Um, these uh, strappings you use in, uh, I think, in these big crates that they bring mm -hmm. in, strapping plastic pieces. Other items include uh, containers, plastic containers. Since the the ban on the polystyrene products, we've seen in the restaurants that they've they are using plastic clear plastic containers now. So from one bad plastic to another bad plastic, they're still washing up. So there's a certain commonality between what you're experiencing and what we experience here. We have a little less in terms of diapers, and, but we have all the plastic packaging. Mm. So is there a story behind why you became a beach plastic collector? Um, it actually started last year. Uh, we had the the second wave of COVID-19 hit PG around April. And so most of the work, most people didn't come into work and it was just a few of us that were coming And Where I'm located is just by the beach, just here. So most of the time I'd find myself taking a stroll on the beach and picking up anything interesting because uh, my colleague and I, we used to do that during the normal uh, pre-COVID, we come along the beach and just pick driftwood or any other interesting types of litter. But then uh, as time passed on during the pandemic, I just, I saw that it was a real problem and I thought to do something with my time and with my, with my skills. And, uh, and so I turned to activism because I am, Initially, I am an artist. I started off as an artist and I work as a graphic designer and I studied marine science. So when I, with my time on the beach, I just decided to use my talents and use my skills and just create an Instagram page to share with, uh, with others in Fiji. At first, it was just in Fiji, just to share with others what, what I find. And uh, I took my inspiration from other uh, marine debris activists online. Uh, in particular was this, I think his name is Ricardo. He's from Portugal where he, he, he would go on his own and collect uh, big pieces of hard plastic and then just make beautiful sculptures from them. I have to say that the internet has been wonderful. You were connected in Fiji with someone from Portugal and now we're, you know, from Maine. And um, yeah. I mentioned Nina and she's in France. So this is wonderful that we can make something happen in this otherwise, you know, dreadful COVID time. So what inspired you to start creating art from the discarded plastic? Um, I would say it's the, the clothes bags. Because I started off with the clothes bags, I would just come and collect clothes bags to take home and use. And I found that all the clothes bags we find is always colorful. And then my attention went on to other types of litter that was there. The cigarette lighters, the disposable lighters, which will also come in a range of colors. And it sort of clicked to me that 
hang on, there's a whole supply of materials to use that's free and that just washes up on the beach that nobody cares about. Right. And that that I can just come and freely take and use. And that's why I just thought of using the discarded plastic because it's there and it in uh it's plentiful. Yeah, I love that. That the artist in you was like, it's colorful and it's free. I have to do something <laughs> with it. <laughs> yes. So what it so what is your process? Take me through the process of collecting the debris to your final artwork. Uh, so uh, I collect in my free time and uh, I have a, a steady job. And so my free time would be tea time and lunch time and after work. So that would be like one hour, maybe 15 minutes at tea time, one hour at lunch and spare me half an hour in the afternoon and i'd come and just pick whatever's interesting to me there and then i take it and keep it in a bucket let it soak overnight with a little bit of uh, detergent just to mm. wash off all the dirt and then once i have uh, more time i'll come back and just rinse everything off and then i sort my trash onto a table just to dry and that's when I take my pictures and then post some on Instagram and so uh, after it's sorted on the table and then I I have a space at home where I just store everything and once I have an idea of something to create and then I'll go back to my storage of all my my treasure and then I create something from there so the process of creating an art piece, it actually, it, it doesn't just come like that. It takes a bit of time to think about what to make and what really, what's of value to design. Whether it's, a, it's just an arrangement of different, different items or the same item in different colors, whatever would be interesting to me. And then I share it and hopefully someone else will see the creative value in it and like give a comment or share and then maybe that changes something in them to be more live more eco-consciously okay so it would be wonderful if you discuss uh, one or more of your art pieces you've created and please for those who are tuned to the audio only podcast describe the artwork um one of the special pieces that I made last year was a, a mosaic piece of a manta, manta ray. So it, I created it to coincide with the manta, ray, manta day. I think it was in September or October. So it's made up uh, of a blue top that I found on the beach and had been sitting at home and I was wondering what to do with it. And then I just thought of the upcoming Manta, Manta Ray Day. So I cut it into the shape of uh, just the outline of the Manta. And I, I stuck it, I glued it onto a uh, masonite board about one meter by one meet, a meter by two, one okay. by two meters. And then the the tarpaulin 
blue tarpaulin of the mentor was pasted in the middle. And then I had used the bottle tops, blue and green, just surrounding the, the mentor. And to, and to show the markings of the mentor on the back, I used these, um, these, uh, on these juice cartons, we have the plastic, uh, what is it, the lid? Uh-huh. Those white uh, carton, uh, milk cartons. They right. Come these. So those were along the back of the manta. And uh, just to create a bit of uh, 3D effect, I stuffed the tarpaulin with more plastic just to give it some more shape. Well, besides the colorful one works that you do, one of my favorite pictures that you have up on your Instagram is a very simple picture. You have uh, cutlery, forks and, and spoons sticking out of the ground. Oh, yes. It, it, that one was really, you know, takes your breath away. Well, can I ask why, what, what did that make you feel? How did it make you feel? It, it just was very simple and powerful this message that plastic was just sprouting out of the earth mm. right so do you have a sense if your efforts are having any impact i i hope so i'm uh well my efforts are not measured in uh by weight or how much i've collected but i think the impact in the number of uh, people that have uh, joined my journey on my page and have shared my work. And that, that was my initial hope was to just create more awareness of the problem. And so the networks I have created in Fiji and uh, with international um, uh, new friends, it's, I, I believe it has made uh, an impact and I hope to build on that this year. Wonderful. So before we finish, I want to ask you if you might offer ideas to our listeners, how can they make a positive difference in the lives of the ocean creatures and the ocean? My, I guess my only advice would be to to start small that's because that's how I did it is to just take that first step into doing something good whether it's uh, changing your 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 choice of uh, bags you bring your own bags from home to go shopping or whether it's uh, refusing the single-use uh, cutlery and the straws you just start small with whatever you can do and then hopefully your actions influence others. Because if, if you make a change in your life and then your close circle, they see the positive impact of that and you are influencing your small circle of uh, friends or family and then they also influence their circles of people and then it just, it just flows out that positive right. impact. Right. So finally, Suzanne, would you tell listeners how they can see your photos of your art? What is your Instagram address? So my um, Instagram tag is uh, Benuni Waitui. So it's B-E-N-U underscore 
N I underscore W A I T U I, which is uh, just the Fijian translation of marine debris. Benu ni waitui. Benu means rubbish, and waitui is the ocean. So it's just rubbish from the ocean. So that's what I named my Instagram page. Thank you, Suzanne, for being on the Women Mind the Water podcast. I hope listeners found our discussion empowering. You are a wonderful example of how an individual can take the initiative to make a difference. And yours is an effort that is most artfully done. I'd like to remind listeners that I have been speaking with Suzanne Taraniwai. For the Women Mind the Water podcast series, the series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website, on iTunes, and other sites such as Spotify. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson.